Welcome into Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is September 15th, 2022, and this is episode 351. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll get an update on the wild card watch. Do we have to? This is an episode one. We'll also come dangerously close to repeating some early bird's eye view mistakes and we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show that's right it's time for the drink of the week scott magnus what is upon your lips this evening yes yeah, so i've got a uh, a fun little cocktail here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um it's got ice um it kind of looks like seawater to a certain regard a little bit of a blue hint to it uh so i am drinking a mountain dew baja blast uh this evening uh from the taco bell and you're doing this on purpose absolutely okay uh, I'm gonna. Take Are you a, not a Baja Blast fan? No, no, I'm not a Mountain Dew fan. All right, well, that's that's your issues. In our household, we refer to Mountain Dew as Satan piss. <sighs> <laughs> I'm gonna take a uh, page out of the uh, O's Wind Up book this evening, except I'm going to uh, class it way down. I'm drinking a nice boxed wine Malbec from Boda Box, which I happen to enjoy. So judge away. Snooty snooties. I, I had a question about this this Malbec that you're drinking. Please do. Uh, so I was looking at the box, mm-hmm. uh, and it says it's a dark Malbec. Okay. What is a dark Malbec? I think it's uh, different than the other Malbec How? that they sell. How? Uh, the box color is different. So I have a question for you, because mm-hmm. I saw that the box color was different. Mm-hmm. Is this a fall wine? No, this has notes of, wait, wait for it. Alcohol. <laughs> uh, it says notes of wine uh-huh. um, and red. Mm-hmm. So when you went to the store, did you look at the Malbec box and the dark Malbec box and say, "I want to go dark tonight"? Uh, yeah, you know, it's actually the, their whole um, like line of of what, what they call it, Nightwing or whatever. What is the uh, Nightwing? Like, is this Batman's like Night protege? Hawk. They call it Night Nighthawk. Hawk. That's, that's the photo <laughs> box uh, line of, of you know, reserve uh, box. Oh, so this is the reserve collection. Well, I don't know if it's reserve. It's, so it's, it's Nighthawk. So it's been aged for another three months. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. What I can tell you is that it's yummy. And uh, judge me all you wish. I enjoy this. It's box yummy. Wine. It's cheap. And it stays in the box. And it saves itself for a lot longer than if you bought it from a bottle. So it, it does the job. Right, Jake English? I don't generally need the preservation time but yes well if you want to find out what kind of boca box uh, jake english is drinking on a nightly basis check him out on untapped you can follow him at jake e4025 you can follow me at magn8606 so with that it's it's time for a checkup All right, a lot of um, 
a lot of interesting standpoints this week um, from from the medical wing. Um, you know, one has to be, um, you know, going earlier into this past week was obviously the Felix Batista, you know, arm concern um, and wondering whether or not he was going to get into the game. Um, and this kind of popped up on Friday. Um, and there was that question of, well, are we going to see Felix Batista on Saturday? Um, and that wasn't necessary, um, is the best way to put it. Um, but it was good to see Felix Batista get back in, um, be able to throw a few pitches um, earlier this week against the Nationals. Um, but I guess the question, Jake, is, you know, he's certainly at a, a, a high usage level at this point. Um, is it any point you're, are you thinking, like, it's time just to shut him down for the season? No, no, not when you were making a push for a, a playoff spot. I think if Jake, we we've stopped making a push for a playoff spot at the trade deadline. <laughs> I was told by Mike Elias. I stand corrected. Uh, no, I don't think it's time to shut him down. What I will say is that when you go into the season next year, uh, you and I have have talked about how having a closer is ridiculous. Um, but when you have a guy who throws 102, uh, you need to have a backup plan. Oh, I agree. Agree with that completely. And so if you're worried about innings, that's all good and fine. But I, I feel like, you know, one of the things that's made Bautista successful is that he's been able to repeat that delivery that's made um, the fastball not only electric, but able to to be uh, located. And also he's been able to, to work the splitter uh, again because of the repeatable delivery. But when you have a guy throwing that hard, um, he's always going to be a risk to, to fall apart. All right. So you're not worried about workload whatsoever. No, not not for this season. But I think, you know, he's really only been the closer since the trade deadline. Sure. And so next year when he comes when, when the Orioles come back, I think they need to be ready to either have a tandem mm-hmm. or know that you're not going to get second half Felix Bautista for the entire season because that's inhuman. Sure. Uh, another player that it may be suffering a little bit from um, being played way too often is Rudin Odor. No, no, we're suffering. Because oh, he's played way too often. right, right. That's exactly what this is. Yeah. Here's here's a problem that I have. The universe did not do me a solid. Mm-hmm. If he has a hand, <laughs> welcome to Jake English's world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Everything's looking up since the uh, since the orange box. No. Um, if he has a hand injury that didn't come from punching a blue jay in the face, something's not right. Something's not right. Maybe that's why they're resting him, just to get him ready for this weekend. If there's a moment that he is made for, it is this. So if he punches a Blue Jay in the face this weekend, um, do you think that when he gets back to Camden Yards, it's a 21-31 moment <laughs> where um, he gets into a car and uh, they start playing across the loudspeakers? There is one moment in time. Because this will technically have been his second moment in time. Mm, that's true. It's yeah. true. So Rugnit Odor, uh, a little banged up. A little banged up. I, I Hopefully honest, he can bang some people up. I don't I don't hate him being out of the lineup. I don't think anybody does. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else that we're missing from the medical wing? No, not really. The, uh, the only thing that I'll note is that uh, Grayson Rodriguez is done with rehab starts and is just making appearances now. Okay. So he's in AAA. Okay, for good, you think? Well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, anything else? Are we good? I think we're good here. All right. Well, let's go to Tune to Character Less this week on the Twitters. And uh, we'll kick it off in the Matt Kremnitzer category. 
of uh, this week on the Twitters. Um, you can follow Matt at Matt Kremnitzer. Um, solid night for Orioles, of course, but also the Nationals ground crew because they didn't have to use a tarp. Yeah, it's always good to you know see um, a stadium being able to actually do what they're supposed to be doing. Now, when he says tarp, yes, does he perhaps mean the word tarpulin? Uh, I think he means mass and money. <laughs> Our next tweet comes to us from Nathan Ruiz. Nathan, of course, tweets at Nathan S. Ruiz, and it goes as follows. As the Orioles approach a record turnaround, Brandon Hyde's players believe it makes him the obvious choice for American League Manager of the Year. Quote, there isn't anybody that's more deserving for that than Hyder. End quote. Scotty, is that a thing? Can Brandon Hyde be a legitimate candidate for AL Manager of the Year? I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, before the Yankees absolutely fell apart, you know that Boone would have been a candidate because they were having a historic sure. season. Yeah, I mean, if the Yankees would have finished at, you know, a 650 winning percentage, then it, it's it's going to happen. But you look at other teams making incredible uh, gains. I think Seattle, you know, I think, I think Terry Francona in, uh, in in with Cleveland is yeah. one of those ones, which is a historic, like a, a name that people know about. Rocco Baldelli out in uh, Minnesota is doing a heck of a job. Yeah, I just don't know. Like, it's one of those matters of like, I just don't see. I think if you were to go to the majority of baseball writers in America, they're going to be like, Brandon Hyde, who? Like, they'll be like, yeah, nice story with the Baltimore Orioles. They still finished fourth in the AL East. They get in a playoff spot. Like, why are we rewarding them for being fourth? Could he be the Muppet of the year mm. in the AL? Possibly. Possibly. The only thing we know for sure is this. Next year, in 2024, Buck Showalter has to be the NL manager of the year. That's true. It is by rule. By rule. Absolutely. All right. Um, last tweet comes from uh, Ken Rosenthal. Um, you can follow his bow tie at Ken Rosenthal. Just look for that blue check mark. is the best way to put it. Um, he tweets as follows. MLB 2023 rule change expected to be voted on Friday. Of course, these were voted on Friday. A pitch clock, shift restrictions, and larger bases. And all those were basically you know, agreed upon um, as of Friday um, with very little pushback from the Players Association, except for the Players Association saying like, we are strongly condemning the pitch clock, but there's nothing we can do about it. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. Um, Jake, pitch clock, yeah or nay? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not a fan in okay. principle. I will say, though, that I don't know that my experience in minor league games where I've seen it in action has been any different. Okay. Shift restrictions. Hate it. Okay. Hate it. Okay. Larger bases. Don't care. Could not care less. Uh, so Jake is taking the boomer sentiment here um, where, you know, he can basically stay out for four hours per game. Um, I'm personally looking forward to the pitch clock. I'm personally looking forward to not seeing four hour games on, on ESPN. Um, I'm looking forward to two and a half hour games on average, um, uh, give or take. Shift restriction? I don't really think it's going to make that much of a difference, in all honesty. Um I think it might benefit the Orioles a little bit, personally, yeah. but we'll see what happens. Do you think that it will increase the offense league-wide? No. No? No. I mean, the the argument... Tell, actually, tell me if this is the argument. <laughs> is the argument that there will be just as many outs 
um, discovered by uh, players not being in the shift as there are uh, outs being given up because players are no longer in the shift? I think it's just going to be the standpoint of like, if you really want to still do it and you still want to you know play it in this fashion, you'll play your right fielder in a little bit and make it happen. I don't know. I mean, that works in places like Canyon Yards, maybe, but there are plenty of parks where that can kill you. For right field? Definitely not Yankee Stadium. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like we're I feel like we're changing the game radically instead of letting the game adjust to itself. Yeah, I, that, I, that's the only thing. I still don't see how it's that big of a deal because it's one of those matters where it's like if it's got to be two people on the left side and two people on the right side, you just position one of your players like right on the other side of second base. Like you're losing maybe what? Five feet. Like, I don't think it's that big of a deal personally. Yeah, but you're, you're losing the ability to put three infielders on one side and one in the outfield. True. But like, even if you're thinking about it, I feel like if you've got a left-handed batter up, like your, your shortstop is either going out to right field or your shortstop. If it's a rangy shortstop, is playing, we'll call it closer to the second base bag, you know, probably six feet off to the right-hand side of second base. Now they've got to be at second base is the best way to put it. So the, the shifts I think are going to look like they did when we grew up. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's gonna be that big of a deal. I, I think that there might be a, a small uptick in, 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 you know, a few additional singles, but it's not like we're going to see a bunch of more extra base hits. It's not like we're going to see any more home runs. We're just going to see a few more singles. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, those those things extend innings. That's a very Royals thing for you to say. <laughs> yeah. These uh, these shifts ain't loyal. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, um, let's go ahead and, and focus now on the 2022 season. And uh, let's go around the bases and, uh, you know, figure out what's going on um, with the Baltimore Royals. Right, Scott, I'd like to go around the bases. And before we do, yeah. I think we have an important announcement to make here at first base. That's right. It is time for the wild card watch. No, really? Really? No, really? No, wild card watch? I just, really? I just, I just thought it was fun. Uh, but yeah, let's let's look at where we are. The Orioles are four and a half games out. I feel like uh, I feel like we were four and a half games out last time we talked. Yeah. Okay. So the Orioles are four and a half games. We might out. have been five. What's that? We might have been five. So I think we might have gained a half a game. No. Last last was it four and a half still? It was four and a half. Yeah. yeah. All right. We have we have done exactly nothing since we last spoke. Oh, yeah, so. That's true. Yeah, because we were coming off the Blue Jays series. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Not not great. Not great, Bob. Yeah. Uh, but you know. Uh, that's that's where we are, right? And and the thing that's interesting about that is that we are experiencing the last off day of the season. Yeah. And there does not appear to be a weak wildebeest to pick off between Seattle, Tampa, and Toronto. Nope. I was really hoping that one of them would fall back to the pack and that the Orioles could overtake them. And it just, just hasn't We happened. had five games against Tampa and Toronto this, this week. And they, in essence, split the series. Like, yeah. worst case scenario for the Baltimore Orioles, like, you would have wanted to either have the Blue Jays or the Rays go 4-1. and one. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And neither one of those happened. Well, and I think that's, you know, what was so disappointing when the Orioles played the Blue Jays is, yeah, yeah. We, we've, that's all been said before. But so here we are. We've got the rest of the uh, schedule as is follows three games versus Detroit, uh, three games at home against Houston, uh, which will feature uh, Trey Mancini. Should be four games against Houston. Is it four? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We've got uh, four games at Boston, three games at New York, and then the final series. Uh, for three at home against Toronto. I hope that's a meaningful series, and I hope it goes well. Um, Yeah. I mean, we talked about this last week, and we tasked Matt Taylor with writing on this blog. I don't believe he's done so just yet. He has acknowledged that he is on notice. I'm aware. But as a manager, I need to point out, Matt Taylor, you're behind on your deadline. Yeah, but if he doesn't produce, you're not going to make manager of the year. Uh, that's true. There's no question about that, but there's no chance I was going to get manager of the year anyway, but he might get rogue into adored is what I'm saying. Um, anywho, um, comparing the Orioles of this year for 2022 to the Orioles of 1989, we have fallen behind a little bit. Oh no. Uh, we are 75 and 67. Uh, the 89 Orioles were 77 and 65, which is kind of like weirdly impressive of like, you know, this is not during the wild court format. And like you were going for, you know, the American league East with a 77 and 65 record, like super weird. I mean, I can think of many a times like in the seventies where the Orioles had a hundred wins and they didn't win the AL East. Um, so really weird from an 89 standpoint. That's all I'm going to say. Absolutely. Um, you know, I said before, one of my predictions that I made was I was like, we'll probably finish around 85 games, I think is what I said um, at the last podcast. And I said, then I'll put us, you know, a few games back. I said, you know, two two games back is what I, th- I guessed. I said, I think it'll probably take somewhere in the ballpark of 88 games. Um, so, yeah. Um, any thoughts, Jake, in terms of whether you want to potentially revise on those predictions or if you feel the same way? Well, you know, 85 wins would basically be a 500 record from here on out. Yep. And, uh, you know, you'd be exactly right. You know, 80, 89 wins would, would be where the, the wild card is. I'm, I'm going to stick to my original assessment. The Orioles are going to lose 100 games this season. <laughs> um, they are just, they not, just don't have it. Not Scott. good. No, not they just good. don't have it. And frankly, I am sick of them trotting these lineups and, and putting these losers out on the mound. Mike Elias should just get on a train and get out of here, whether or not the trains are running. And Brandon Hyde is the worst manager. I've been an Orioles fan since 1983, and I've had it, Scott. 100 losses? Ridiculous. All right. So we're doing some copy pasta. I get, you, I get what you're laying down. Um. Yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like I said, I'm still thinking that they're going to finish over 500. Um, and I think that's perfectly fine with me. Like, that's all I'm looking for right now is just finish above 500. Yeah, and, you know, I looked, and of course I don't have the numbers out here in front of me, but I looked at the 89 team month-to-month versus the Orioles of 2022 month-to-month. And it's really fascinating because they were they were pretty bad in the beginning of the season. I, I think their first month, you know, m- March and April, they had a, like, 333 winning percentage. Um and then May was okay, but June and July, they were just gangbusters, right? And, and August was great. Um, or or J- June was a winning month, but July and August particularly were gangbusters. Um, if the Orioles had just been less terrible in in April, boy, howdy, we would be having a different experience here. So if Adley Rutschman would have started with the team and not been injured? <clears throat> I would really like to not say say that. I would like that to not be the case. But, I think that but it's hard to not look at 
how well he's done and, and say that. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at what this team is now and how it's constituted, I think, I think it is right now a 500 ball club. I agree. I think it's a 500 ball club. And I think you can, I hate to say it folks, because I know everyone's like, I think, I think you can look at run differential. Um, and I think you can kind of look at a Pythagorean prediction and just say, they look like a 500 team on run differential. And the Dodgers look unbeatable. that's true i mean if this is not going to be our year it's a good year to not have a year plus 300 run differential i mean oh my gosh like i don't even know what to say about that um let's let's roll over to second base um wednesday's game was weird um austin voth was used in relief in wednesday's game um is he out of the rotation what's going on here so he yeah well here's the thing he appeared out of the bullpen yeah, and it, and it kind of looked like you know the Orioles were going to need an additional fifth starter. Uh, right now, the probables are Lyles, Bradish, and Kramer, followed by TBA and TBA. You got to know that uh, Tyler Wells is one of them. I can't think of any reason why they can't plug Austin Voth back in. Uh, the only thing that I'll say is that with Voth and with Wells, I feel like they kind of have to to know that they have to cobble those last two games in the rotation together, but they, they do have the length to do it. They've got, Aiken, I I feel like this hall. I feel like this was just, you know, you have two weird off days is the best way to describe it. Like, again, we'll get into this later um, in terms of scheduling. Um, I think the Orioles looked at it and said, who do we want pitching during the Toronto series? Because this is our last chance. Like, if we don't, in essence, sweep this series, it's over. So I feel like they're going in and they're going to throw their three best pitchers at this moment against the Blue Jays. They're going to throw Jordan Lyles, who was absolutely gosh awful last Saturday. John um, Means, Grayson Rodriguez, I hear you. Yeah. Kyle Bradish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're going to throw Dean Kramer out there. And then Tyler Wells and Austin Both would miss the starts in the Toronto series. I think all things considering, that makes sense to me. Is the best way to put it. Are you saying that the rotation is being well managed? I don't know if it's being well managed. I think it just makes sense that they would do this. Like, if you've got two off days in a week, which we're going to have to soapbox on this one. I'm really just perturbed. Um, I think it makes sense to do this. And like I said, I I think it's something that's going un you know not talked about very much. But I think it's a smart decision by the by the Orioles organization. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that it's probably both back in the in the uh, rotation. I would be interested to see if they did anything else. It, you just look at you know who else it might be, and it just can't. It just can't. You know, um, they they won't yo yo Hall out of you know a relief role and put him as a starter. They won't bring Grayson Rodriguez. I think up for something like this again. The same thing I've been preaching over with the hitting side of things. Like, you don't know what he's going to be. If this game really matters, go with something you know, mm-hmm. right? For better or for worse, the margin of error is at least known. I mean, I will say, Grayson Rodriguez did pitch on the 11th. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes, I I see that look. The podcasting audience at home cannot, but I see that look, Scott Magnus. And it is Canada. <laughs> so you can do Taxi Squad. Yeah. I, I, you don't I, have to put him on the 40, man. I just don't see it happening. Don't have to put him on the 40, man. Taxi would, Squad. Would you bring Grayson Rodriguez up to pitch? 
uh, we're going to have to come back to say it, to to edit this out, but absolutely. <laughs> you know, Scott feels very strongly about it because he hates editing. I hate editing in that count coin sound effect, but absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, um, I, I mean, hope- how jonesed would the entire team be if they got to Toronto tomorrow and there's a locker set up for Grayson Rodriguez with a gas can sitting in it. Yeah. People I, would lose their freaking minds. I I I I I love that from an emotional standpoint. I just my head says no way. Why well, don't I mean I mean even if it's a matter of I mean we've already seen it earlier during the Blue Jays series where I don't know if it was even the right move, but it was we had an opener. Why not throw Grayson Rodriguez as an opener and say, "Hey, we're going to have Grayson Rodriguez pitch for two innings?" And then we're going to have Dean Kramer come in right afterwards again. Yeah. I mean, why not get him the experience? Because the games matter. Do they? Yeah. Do they? I mean, they shouldn't, but they do. I guess they kind of matter, but. Yeah. So if they matter, why not throw Grayson Rodriguez in there? (laughs) Because he's a not known commodity. Oh, I think he's known. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't do it, but I am talking in the basement. When Grayson Rodriguez comes in to pitch on Friday or Saturday night and he throws a no-hitter, I'm going to come back to this podcast. Please do. <laughs> Please do. I mean, that crow tastes the best. Yes. All right. Can we leave second base and go to third? I suppose so. I want to talk about something a little depressing. Yeah. Scotty, I want to talk about Adley Rutschman's mortal trait. Mm-hmm. He has been unreal. Yeah. He has been unreal. And while we're picking nits, I thought that his mortal trait was going to be uh, throwing out runners, mm. right? That's an area where I know the pop time is there, but every time I see a runner take a base on him, I'm like, ooh, that didn't look great. Is that is that the bugaboo for Adley Rutschman? That's not it. The bugaboo for Adley Rutschman is not hitting lefties well yep. at the major league level. And it has been really pronounced. And again, I'm not crapping on Adley Rutschman. I'm not saying he's bad. He has been, we just said he might be the reason that we're not making the playoffs this year uh, because we didn't have him. Uh, but I, you know, I, I looked at his stats and, and they really are pronounced from when he bats left-handed, he's got a 153 weighted runs created plus mm-hmm. when he bats right-handed, it's 58. Mm-hmm. He is one and a half times better than the average hitter left-handed and half the hitter uh, the average hitter right-handed his OPS is 886 versus 517 and his isolated power is 227 as a lefty and just 66 as a righty but I do wonder Scott if it is a matter of real concern or if it is a matter of this is just one piece of the puzzle that is lagging behind the rest of his rapid adjustment to the majors and here's why Let's look at the BABIP. And again, BABIP, I don't know what it is adjusted for 2022, but the average BABIP is like, what, 290? Does that sound right? Yeah, sounds about right. Okay. His BABIP batting left-handed is 306. Okay? A little little bit better than average. His BABIP right-handed is 214. Sure. And I look at that and I ask myself, is there a chance that this is just something that needs to average out? I I think so personally. I look at it and I say he's got seventy six. I'm sorry, ninety two plate appearances versus lefties versus two ninety five versus righties. I think it's one of those matters where 
it'll eventually average out. He might never be, he might not be the best from one side or the other. That's going to be expected. But I mean, if he's what, 150 from one side and he's 100 from the other side, thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about this whatsoever. Um, and again, I think we've also seen that um, the Orioles organization has done a really nice job with correcting swing issues and swing styles in certain very unique situations. Um, so I think this is going to be something that Adley works on immensely during the offseason with player development. Yeah, I, I agree. But it's also the type of thing where his his uh, eye is just as good. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, when, when he is batting as a right-handed batter, his walk rate is actually higher right. than when he's batting left-handed. So what does that tell us? It tells us swing and plane trajectory through the zone is just a little off on one side versus the other, which can easily be polished. Like, if you've got the eye and you kind of know where the ball is going and you just need to adjust swing plane, I mean – great example of that is just Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson, you know, worked on that all offseason and came in this year and now is the number one prospect in baseball and we're seeing it at the major league level. Um, I I think Adley's going to figure it out pretty darn quickly, honestly. Um, And I really hope that's something that gets changed, that we don't see this platooning situation uh, with Adley and Adley, in essence, gets the games. However, I do think, you know, as an insurance standpoint, I do think that we'll probably come across and get a backup catcher that bats right-handed. And basically saying, you know, if we need to, you know, put Adley on the bench for a game, maybe we do it versus lefties and then pull in a right-handed hitter accordingly. I can't believe you. Yeah. I cannot believe that you're sitting here on September 15th, 2022, advocating that the Orioles bring back Pedro Severino. Scott Magnus, what is wrong with you? I mean, you just saw him and you were scouting him for the for the Orioles, right? I was indeed. I know Pat Vileka can't play catcher. Yeah. Uh, while we're talking about this particular topic, I'd just like to key in on, while we're talking about mortal traits, Cedric Mullins yeah. has a similar issue with lefties. Yeah. And the way the Orioles have been handling that is by platooning. Yeah, platooning with McKenna. I, I'm curious, is this simply the new normal after his regression from a career year that he'll never meet again? Or could he bounce back to some degree against lefties? Um, so Cedric Mullins is a little bit different for me, where I do think he is probably going to have these struggles for the rest of his career. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be this drastic, but I do think he's going to hit right-handed, um, I'm sorry, versus righties easier than lefties is the best way to put it. So, this is the biggest gripe I have with Cedric Mullins going forward of like, if he can't handle that, then what does that mean going forward for us? But I don't know. Um, I mean, cause we look about it, we look at it and Mullins against righties, uh, a one thirty one red weighted runs created plus against the lefties, just 59. Right. But I look back at BABIP, right. And his versus righties, his BABIP is three twenty six, So not, crazy high but high and his BABIP against lefties is 259 so low but not crazy low yeah and I mean if you look at his weighted runs created plus last year versus left-handed pitching 113 this year 59 2020 32 so it looks like something changed um I do know that he he obviously had a career year last year but it looks like something changed um 
but yeah, like I said, it's just odd. And like the BAPIP again is really low, like you said, for this year, which seems questionable to me. Let me ask you this. Did the Orioles' success, surprise success in 2022, hurt Cedric Mullins' ability to work it out against lefties? And what I mean by that is Brandon Hyde is platooning him and getting a right-handed bat into the lineup because he's trying to win the games. I don't think so. You don't think that if these games didn't matter, if we were 14 games out of out of the wild card, that Brandon Hyde would still be keeping Cedric Mullins out of a situation in which he might be able to work himself out of a slump against lefties? I think they would, actually. I think they're trying things. Like I think they're dabbling. I think it's over-dabbling, but I think they're dabbling. I think you have to, though, when you're trying to win. I think it's damn the torpedoes when you're losing. I think it's dabbling, if not even just winning for the season, though. I think they're trying to figure out what are they going to do when it actually all matters. Yeah, yeah, I I would be really disappointed to see Cedric Mullins only hit against. Oh, I would be Vegas. extremely disappointed. And I would really raise the question of even if Cedric Mullins, yeah, with, with enough sample size, maybe the question is more so, does Cedric Mullins lead off against left-handed hitters or do you basically move him to a 7th, 8th, 9th hole? And then who becomes your leadoff hitter against left-handed pitching? Okay. I could see that. I think that's a more acceptable solution to me. Of like, he's probably not your leadoff hitter, but who's going to be your leadoff hitter going forward in this given situation? And maybe it's Ryan McKenna. And you basically say, like, we're going to put Ryan McKenna out there. He's going to be our left fielder. Um, like I said, I, I, I don't know. Like, that's just something for us to think about. All right, let's round third and head into home. And Scotty, I want to talk a little bit about Orioles media. Last week... I whined about the all-new Mass Nap not working for me. Yep. Um, but, I, you know, I've been thinking a little bit about Orioles media in general. Um, a, a big topic of conversation for us has been the, the stable of broadcast voices, both on the, the radio and the television side of things. And we've talked about that ad nauseum. But an interesting thing happening here on Friday of this upcoming week, tomorrow, uh, 9-16, the Orioles are going to be on Apple TV. Um, which I think you can get to if you simply have an Apple ID. I think it's free. You don't have to sign up for Apple TV. You have to sign up for Apple TV. You have to own an Apple TV account. Yes. You have to to pay for Apple TV. Yeah, I think they were giving a free trial last time Mm. it came around, but I do think it costs, I think, $5 per month. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. What do you think about the, the move to put certain games on streaming? Um, I think it's the right move, honestly, to start moving to a streaming platform. But I don't like, I don't like the aspect where it's, you know, completely blocked off. Yeah, that does seem a a hard pill to swallow. You know, it used to be that all the games were on broadcast television. And then it used to be that the Orioles games were on cable and a select group of broadcasts. Sure. And now you have to pay for cable in order to get access to, you know, 160 or 159 games or whatever it is. And then there are just a couple that are unavailable to you unless you're willing to pony up for something else. That does seem a bummer. It seems like for a fan base, you should be able to pay for whatever it is that you've paid for and get the season worth of games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's... 
that's the real issue. And it, it comes back down to, I think that's also why a lot of folks have cut cords as well and just said, I guess I'll just go to streaming and or pirate it is the best way to put it too. So um, yeah, I mean, I know the, there's the Apple TV standpoint. There's conversation this evening as well that, you know, that's the first time that football is being played on Prime Video um, as well through Amazon. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this for years and years and years of when does cable start to fade into the background and when does the streaming wars begin as it relates to live sports. And I think we're starting to see the iterations of it pop up now um here's what i'll say is um if you're not happy about streaming and or everything that's going on um get ready for it because sooner rather than later there is not gonna be a masson there's gonna be a streaming service that's gonna take over the orioles and you better be ready for it because the last thing the orioles are going to want to do is have to interact with comcast interact with direct tv they're just going to go and say, we're turning the rights over and we're going to stream it on this service. Just hope to God that's not the Masson app. I love uh, a tweet that came from Andrew Stecka earlier uh, today, which stated, the people who are <clears throat> complaining, there, there's a coin sound you don't have to uh, put in there. <clears throat> people who are <clears throat> complaining about an NFL game being exclusively on streaming platform are the same people who scream about how great capitalism is for everyone. Same thing with baseball. Yeah. Same thing with baseball. And, we, you know, you and I have talked about when does the bubble burst for the, you know, $10 billion industry that is Major League Baseball built on RSNs. Right? I think it's coming for a lot of markets. I don't think it's going to come for the big markets like New York, but I guarantee you it's coming for a lot of markets. All right. While we're talking about Orioles media, I want to shift over to the radio. And I have I have a an axe to grind, a, a frustration to to voice, but it could be that I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. And so I, I am going to approach it that way. Scott, let's just assume that I'm dumb. I know it's a stretch. I know it's hard yep. for you, but just get into character, would you? Yep. Um, there are times where I don't know how to find the Orioles on the radio. Yeah. And I feel like... This is because of Ravens games, correct? Yeah. 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 The I had or- this happen to me earlier this year during a preseason game. And it was a game that I wanted to listen to on the Orioles. And I switched over 98 Rock. And I said, all right, like, I'll listen to it here. Um, Wasn't there. Switched over to 1090. Wasn't there. And I said, "Uh, where is it? Like, it's got to be one of these two, right? Um, And then I had to quickly look around to figure out what it was by doing a quick Google search. Um, But yeah. No bueno. So I think in our area, it's 101.5 or yes. 105.1 yeah, FM, what, something like that. Yeah, it's the one that is going to be basically the uh, the news talk aspect of, I think it's 101.5. Yes, and and that is like 60% static and 40% Oriole game when I listen. That is very close to it, yes, where it does not have the broadcast range that you would have expected. I think it is criminal Yeah, for... The Orioles to have made a partnership with Hearst Broadcasting or whatever it's called. Yeah. And have its games first preempted by a preseason game mm-hmm. of another product and have that and other uh, and, and NFL regular season games push it to the tertiary mm-hmm. uh, Hearst Broadcasting uh, radio station that has 
poorer signal. That That is, in my view, a really bad deal for the Orioles. But that aside, Orioles, Radio Network, get on the Twitters, go somewhere, and let me know where the game's going to be then. Sure. Day. Exactly. And again, maybe they are, and I've missed it. Maybe I'm dumb. Let's yeah. let's approach this as if I'm dumb. So if yeah. you're out there listening, please tweet at me and let me know exactly how I've missed those Let the old men know. And, and the other matter, if we're going to be completely honest, is for several seasons, we've obviously had MLB.TV. We've also had MLB at radio. At radio has been awful this year through the app. Like, it's been way behind. It's been... Uh, you've lost innings like it's gone death. It's gone quiet for many innings. Um, there has to be a way to maintain some sanctity of radio. Well, you know, I am a, I'm an old man. Yep. And I enjoy even older men's music. Yep. Uh, so I gave up on on terrestrial radio a long time and moved to satellite um, because I can actually still hear some of my music there. Um, but satellite radio is really hard to do for baseball because of of the Internet. Sure. Right. Uh, the satellite radio feed is behind. And so I have a harder time interacting, you know, with the Orioles community online while I'm listening to satellite. I've kind of made my peace with that, right? Like if I'm listening on satellite, it's because I'm, I'm busy. I can't get somewhere yeah. where, you know, both hands can go on the phone. Um, so that's okay. But, but I didn't realize that it was that bad on, on uh, MLB radio. Uh, it's been, it's been bad this whole season. Um, and I know a lot of people have had issues with it. So, but yeah, I agree with you. Like, when Ravens and this is not going to be the only season. Like next season, if the Orioles are going to really good, I don't want to be getting to September baseball again. Oh, are you saying there's a scenario in which the Orioles would be playing meaningful games in September and October, where the yeah. Hearst uh, stations need to make a decision between which of its masters it's going to uh, actually serve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can't imagine that the Orioles would lose out there. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to see what happens. Is the best way to put it. Well, Scott, we are um, we're we're mentioning that other team across the parking lot an awful lot here at home plate. Let's let's take a quick break, and when we come back for segment two, let's talk a little football. Why? All right, Scott, are you ready for some football talk here on Bird's Eye View? No. Are you kidding me? We've done this once before. It was episode 89. Uh, I think Jacoby Jones was the subject of conversation. It was a really great conversation. It was such a great conversation. It felt so natural. It was something we loved so much that we didn't do it ever again. Yeah. But I do want to talk about football. Sort of. Okay. All right. I want to talk about the fact that uh, though I did watch the Ravens this past this past weekend, it was fun to see um, an elite old friend, if you will. That's true. It was nice That's to true. see the uh, the Ravens get get that week one dub, right? Um, but actually, what I've been thinking about is Lamar Jackson's contract status. Okay. Now there are this is dangerous territory we're entering into that we're dedicating time to our show to discuss Lamar Jackson's contract status. Yeah, but only tangentially. Okay. There are big. And I mean big differences between the way football and baseball contracts are doled out. And and I get all that. But I've been thinking a lot mm-hmm. about the Orioles 
as this whole thing with Jackson unfolds. Because I, I'm watching closely because one, I'm a Ravens fan, right? Okay. Yeah. And two, because the Orioles are eventually going to get to the point where they're going to have a lot of young talent that have their rookie contracts end and they're going to have to pay if they want to keep them. And it was really difficult watching Manny Machado get unceremoniously traded away for far too late, uh, little with apologies to Dean Kramer. Uh, we knew, right? We knew in our heart of hearts that he wasn't coming back, uh-huh. but it was really frustrating to watch that situation unfold the way it did. You know, we, we either wanted him to be re-signed or have the Band-Aid pulled off and, and actually get something of value for him. And in the long run, things were handled really poorly with, with Machado. Uh-huh. It was also really disheartening because we know that there was a point at which the team had just given up on, on trying to keep him. Yep. So, will the Orioles get there with this new young crop of stars? Now we've we've done we've done the paying before. We've done the paying before. We paid Chris Davis. Yeah. Which was foolhardy. Yeah. You and I talked about this uh, when it happened, right? Yeah. We were not happy about it at the moment. I was like that's not it's not our money, it's not our place to speak, but I would have spent it differently. Let me ask you this question. Coming back to this, you know, pay the young talent. Let's hypothetically say the Orioles go to Machado in 2016 and they pay him now for 7 years and say here's your 7-year contract, 160 million dollars plus. Um, you're now going into 2023. Would you be happy that you had Machado for these seven years? Um, no, but for different reasons that I was unhappy about Davis. Okay. They they paid Davis all that money and he became the worst player in baseball, Mm. the worst player in baseball. Mm hmm. And that was a negative around which they couldn't build. Yep. Not only was the infrastructure of the organization rotting. Yep. But you can't build around negative war. Correct. I believe that if they had paid Manny Machado the money, mm-hmm. the infrastructure of the organization was too rotted to be able to effectively build mm-hmm. around him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I would have loved it. But you would have rather spent the money there. So instead of – it's the aspect of – you would have rather gone and said, hey, we're going to make the kitchen really nice as opposed to being like, hey, I've always wanted a porta potty in the back of my yard. I'm going to make it the best darn porta potty yes. in my back of my yard ever. And you know what? In Harford County, you don't need a permit for that. <laughs> but but what they showed us with the Davis signing, though, was that for the right in the right conditions, yes. they'd spend the money. Yeah. Now, you and I disagreed as to whether or not that was the right condition. Sure. But the point they made was... Especially since they bid against themselves. Right, right. (laughs) But in the right situation, they would spend money. Yes. We're going to get into a situation which we hope, good Lord, we hope... Yep. ...that that organizational rot that I just described is no longer the case. Sure. Like, this offseason, it should be the the case. Like, it should be a matter of our, you know, coming back to this situation of the Lamar Jackson standpoint, one of the number one priorities for this offseason should be... Adley Rochman, we would like to sign you to an eight-year contract. What's it going to take? From your lips to God's ears, is Adley the right condition, right? I hope so. But it, even if that works out, we're going to have Gunner. We're going to have Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah. 
What what are we going to do when it comes time to actually care about paying John Means? What are we going to do when the next crop arrives? I'm really interested about these things because we've seen it play out poorly with the baseball team Mm -hmm. in both ways. Mm -hmm. We're going to see how it plays out with Lamar Jackson. And then we're going to see it play out again with this crop of young talent. Sure. And I just ask you, I mean, how much heartbreak can a single fan base withstand in this arena? Oh, in, in the Baltimore arena? No, I mean, in the area of, you know, losing talent. I mean, I will say this much. Talent will be lost. There's no doubt that they can't. There keep, will be blood. There will be blood. However, if we're being you know completely candid. Is that what we do here? In the AL East, the Tampa Bay Rays have done this for over a decade now where they have gotten rid of talent that people are like, why are you getting rid of that talent now? And in most instances, I won't say all instances, but in most instances, they have been right. And they've made the hard move to say, we're going to promote from our farm system. They're going to be cheaper. Yes, this individual still has talent. Yes, he still has a benefit. But we're going to play the wins per salary game and just optimize to wins per salary, which... That's the game that needs to be played. That's the game that needs to be played. Um, But yeah, like I said, I think you're going to be upset. And you just have to hope that the Orioles select the right players to invest in um, and not the Travis Snyders of the world. Mm. Mm. Because again, 2014 is a great example of that. And this was one we were wrong on. Where it's like, hey, you know, I think it's time to walk away from Nelson Cruz. Yeah. I said, you know, I'm upset that they're losing Nick Marcakis, but I understand why they're walking away from Nick Marcakis. Those were two really bad decisions. And I was wrong about both of them. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit it. Um, but I thought to myself, if the Orioles are going to improve dramatically and take that next step in order to differentiate themselves, they've got to make, you know, some decent moves. Um, Travis Snyder was not that in- that move is the best way to put it. And I think that's going to be the interesting standpoint of not just the money situation, but what kind of drastic moves are the Orioles going to make in order to transform themselves? When we tar- talk about how much heartache can a single uh, fan base endure, I was not ready for uh, references to Travis Snyder tonight. And yeah. uh, I hurt Scott. That's good. That's what my job is. But so, hey, how was that for, for football talk uh, here on Bird's Eye View? A little too much, honestly. A little too much. Well, in that case... Why don't we take a quick break? We'll we'll cleanse ourselves, if you will, and uh, let's start to fantasize. Oh, when it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh baby, you sure do swing. When it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh daddy. Don't like that music. So uh, I guess you uh, pulled off the victory this week. It would appear that a dominating performance from Ryan Mountcastle over Anthony Santander when it comes to home runs in the category. Did, did any of them home run? Like, did either one of them have home runs? I can't think of any. Of course. Ryan Mountcastle 
way out homered Anthony Santander. Okay. Over the last seven days, Scott. Uh huh. One to nothing. <laughs> that sounds about right, honestly. Like thinking back about the series, like I have Mike, I kept watching the games and I'm like, yeah, nobody at the top end of the order is really doing well from a home run standpoint. Um, but yeah, kudos to Mount Castle for uh, sneaking out a victory over Santander there. I have a great, great category. All right. For Fantasy Boss. So we're 5-4 this now? 5-4. It, it, it is getting serious. Serious. Scott, have you won Fantasy Boss? Uh, no, I don't think so. You are coming dangerously close, my friend, yeah. to this season ending and you hoisting the Fantasy Boss Championship. I'm like the Nationals with the Masson Cup. I just you, can't win. You are indeed. Uh, this is this is exciting. Uh, so this week, I'm going to pick the category. You and I just talked about the mortal traits mm. of two of our players. Yep. And so, Scott, I'm going to put An- uh, Anthony Santander. I'm going to put Adley Rutschman. Mm-hmm. And Cedric Mullins up against one another mm-hmm. for their weak side performance. Okay, not knowing what the uh, what the probable pitchers we're going to face over the next seven days. Sure, is. but let's just pick a category of OPS. Okay, are you taking a higher OPS of Adley as a right-handed hitter, or a higher OPS of Cedric against lefties? I'm going to go with Grayson Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think you understand how this Can works. I have Grayson Rodriguez and one of my other players? Yes. You can have Grayson <laughs> Rodriguez and one of the players. If Grayson Rodriguez comes in and pinch hits and wins me this week in Fantasy Boss, I deserve a fing <laughs> medal. <laughs> well, you know, this has happened before. And I hope Alan Smith is listening because he he was the first time that happened. Yeah. Um so I'm going to assume that Cedric Mullins is going to get more plate appearances than Adley Rushman against weak side. So I am going to go with Cedric Mullins. Okay. You're going with Cedric with a higher OPS against lefties. Then you're going to go with Adley. Yeah. As a right-handed batter against lefties. Yeah. Okay. I got to be honest. I probably would have taken Adley. So yeah. I'm delighted that you That's good. made that choice. I'm interested to see how this works out. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it'll be interesting to see. I feel like this is going to break not on starting pitching. I feel like this is going to break on, like, bullpen arms. Um, So I feel like there's going to be a late-inning situation where one of them is going to do well, and it's going to push us over the edge. So it's really funny you said that. I expected it to, the difference to be made on some wacky, like, extra-inning nonsense. Right, or something like where the game is out of out of reach and... You know, they just throw a, a meatball up there and it's going to happen. We're going to come back next week and be like, why did we pick this? Guy? Why do we pick this? Why? why? We're going to look and be like, they actually had no plate appearances <laughs> <laughs> versus their weak side. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. Every single time they came up to the plate, Brandon Hyde pinch hit them. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, fantasy boss for what it is this week. I, I I'm interested. This I think is a is a fascinating fantasy boss. Uh, let's take a quick break and come back for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Wow, wow, wow. 
That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started. Scotty, my good this week goes to Kyle Bradish for his start on uh, September 11th, in which he pitched seven full innings with two hits and just a single earned run. Uh, we need that, and I would love if Kyle Bradish could cement himself as a quality, useful starting pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles as hopefully more help comes. Yeah, my my good for the week is going to go to Gunnar Henderson. I'm sorry, who? Uh, Gunnar Henderson. Hmm, never heard of him. Yeah, I, one second, they took flow my helmet off. Ah, 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 the guy with the flow. Got the it. flow, yes. Um, over the past seven days, uh, 412 average, 474 on base percentage, 233 weight of runs created plus. But the reason he's getting as good is that Little League home run, which is so majestic, <laughs> is the best way to put it. Um, there was a stat that came, thing came over, um, over Twitter last night when it happened. And it was, I believe Gunnar Henderson had the fastest, um, time to third base, not the fastest. I think it was the fifth fastest in major league baseball for the entire season going home to third base. Um, obviously Jorge Mateo is number one. Um, but I thought it was interesting that Gunnar Henderson was in the top 10, um, in terms of speed. It's not something we normally think about for Gunnar Henderson. Um, but yeah, I've been very impressed with the wheels and the base running. He is such a fun player to watch. He's he's really got so many tools. You can see why he was the new number one prospect in baseball. I'm I, really glad he's here. I agree entirely. Um, can I can I throw something out in terms of like who Gunner is starting to remind me of? And I don't know if I completely agree with this, but my this is my gut reaction. No, you're not allowed. So like when I'm watching Gunner Henderson play right now. He kind of reminds me of Trey Turner. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can I can see that. And I don't know if that's like too big of an acclaim because like Trey Turner is really, really good. But I think back to when like Trey Turner was debuting with the Nationals and he was playing against the Orioles and I'm like... Back when that uh, club wasn't horrible. Yeah, I was like, man, this guy's really good. Like I wish the Orioles could get a player like that that has the kind of toolsy athleticism. Um, and Gunner just reminds me very similar to Trey Turner. And, you know, very all shucks about it. Yeah. Which you love to see. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like I said, that might be too much of a high accolade for Gunnar Henderson, but he that's what my gut tells me right now. Just watching him, like, he looks very Trey Turner-ish to me. So. Love it. Love it. All right. My bad this week is going to go to me. Mm-hmm. Usually, I give myself ugly uh, when something like this happens, but I'm just bad this week. My bad is that, you know, we talked about it last week, uh, season from a competitive standpoint, kind of over, right? On the outside looking in, hopefully it's not the case. Hopefully they can make a charge and one of the other uh, teams falls back and we sneak into the playoffs. But the reason I'm bad this week is that I got to be honest, I'm sure I'm not alone, but I kind of checked out for a little while this week. It hurt too much. Yeah, the team kind of crapped the bed against the Blue Jays, and I was like, I got to step back for my own well-being. You know, checking the box scores, you know, doing all that. But a really good example is that game last night against the Nationals. Mm -hmm. I I watched. Things got ugly late. Mm -hmm. I had some things to do around the house. I said, I'll I'll check the box score, you know, later tonight or tomorrow. My bad is me. This team, you know, I've been crying about, hey, go support this team. Go watch this team. I checked out a little bit this week. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Yeah, I'm still following from afar, but they hurt me, Scott. They hurt my feelings. My heart was 
was hurting and uh, I, I retracted in the shell a little bit of fandom. I, I understand that completely. Um, my bad for the week is going to go to Peyton Manning. Oh, I thought you were also going to pick me. I was excited. I wasn't. Why is Peyton? Wait a minute. You give me a hard time about football talk, and here we are in Good, Bad, and the Ugly talking about Peyton Manning. I've got a, a segue for Orioles baseball here. All right, I'm listening. Uh, so Peyton Manning uh, was doing the whole like Manning thing where him and Eli are, are talking about the football game. Um, and he, he made mention, he says, like, I also just really wanted to thank the Baltimore Orioles uh, for letting uh, the Ravens come out to Denver and uh, have to uh, to start on the road um, after winning the Super Bowl. Boo. <laughs> Boo. I'm assuming you missed that. Yeah, I missed that. <laughs> so he just wanted to thank the Baltimore Orioles organization Boo. for that. <laughs> that's no good. So that's no, my, that, no bueno. That's my bad for the week. I missed that. Now I'm going to have to go back and watch it just yeah. to hate watching yes. it. Yes. <laughs> All right. My ugly this week goes to the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. For their 17 to 4 loss Oof. against the Red Sox. You know, it was one of those things where it was like the wind was already out of the sails with that with that uh, series against the Blue Jays. And I watched that game get just out of control. And I thought to myself, like, I have seen teams end the season four and thirty-two. Yep, I have seen this team fall apart before. This feels like that, and look—that's me being all in my feels, and I get that. But whenever you get beat bad, it hurts. But when you're watching your season crumble away, a seventeen to four is just salt in the wound. So in rare bird's eye view territory, um, this is also my ugly. Oh, man. Because as much as you're complaining about this, Jake, you have no right to complain about this. Because I was there in person. <laughs> Don't quote the dark magic to me, which I was there when it was written. was there when it was written. Oh, and if we're going to talk about dark magic, let's talk about the aspect of being in the lower bowl surrounded by Red Sox fans. I'm so sorry. I should have picked something else. <laughs> you rightfully have this as ugly. I was so wrong. So, I mean, it was... Uh, here, here, here's the thing. Like the, the previous Saturday, or it might have been the Saturday beforehand, actually, I had gone, um, and the Orioles did a great job. Like It was a really fun game. Um, it was during the soccer jersey game. We we both went to it, but we went to it separately. We um, really great game though. Like it was a really great intensity, great mm-hmm. all you can great you know fan uh, experience. Um, and I went this game uh, specifically to go to the concert afterwards. Um, I was supposed. Oh, was this the Struts night? This was the Struts night. Um, and like I said, it was the matter of like, as soon as the game started, you could watch Jordan Lyles and be like. Oh, this is really bad. Like, it's nowhere close to it. I mean, he was throwing bacon balls, and the breaking balls were, I always called them Vlad Guerrero-ing, like right in front of home plate and then bouncing across home plate. And I'm like, if he's bouncing balls in front of home plate, it's not going to work tonight. Like, this is a really bad situation. Um, So, yeah, um, not a great game. Um, not a great game to be in the lower bowl for, especially for a Red Sox game, because that means it's premium pricing. Um, yeah, not great. Um, the other thing that wasn't, wouldn't be bad for me as an adult, but is bad for me as a parent 
is I was really looking forward to going to the concert. I went to the concert, um, but I would have, you know, in essence, wanted to stay longer than I did. Um, I took my son. It was his first concert ever. Um, was not a he was not a huge fan of what he said was rock music. Um, so not 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 happy with that parenting decision. Um, uh, and it also was kind of raining, which means that he doesn't want to be out in the rain as well, listening to music that he doesn't like. Um, but yeah, um, just a really disappointing evening. That's what I'll say. What? Uh, so this is nobody's going to care but you and I for this part of the conversation. But what did you think of the struts? Oh, I think the struts are great. I mean, I think it's like I think it's pop rocky, like British pop rocky is the best way to put it. Um, it it's so funny because I've been watching these ads for the struts yeah. for forever, and I was like, who are these guys? Yeah. So I was cutting the grass the other day, and I, I threw threw their music on, and I was like. Hey, this is actually good. Yeah, go, go, no, this I've, is good. Good I, for that. I've listened to the Struts before, and like I said, they're definitely not my favorite band at all. I had I had never heard of them. Yeah, and then I watched uh, I watched the uh, tribute concert for Taylor Hawkins. Yes, and uh, Henry and I were watching. And he's like, "Who's this guy with Queen?" I was like, first of all, it's awesome that you can identify yeah. that as Queen." Uh, turns out it was the Struts guy. Yeah, had no idea. Yeah, had no idea. I didn't put that together for like days. Yeah, for days. Queen, by the way. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that I met Brian May? No, you did not. I've met Brian May, uh, not only uh, noted Queen guitarist, but also astrophysicist. Mm, yes. Seriously. Yeah. Max and I went to an event at uh, APL. Oh, this was, yes, at APL. Yeah, Pluto yeah, yeah. Thing, when yeah. the Horizons uh, passed Pluto, yeah. and Brian May was one of the keynotes. That's speakers. pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. He did not play any guitar, and the struts that's, weren't there. That's, so, that's okay, but that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So... Uh, game was awful. Game was awful. Um, Red Sox fans were not great. I'm shocked by that. Yeah. That's a long drive back to Arbutus, though. Uh, it was Virginia, is what I found out for most of them. Scott, you have to understand that when they were young, their uncle gave them a hat, and from that point on, yeah. they turned on their yeah. own a lot, of, a lot of Northern Virginia, um, which, you know, apparently not a lot of natitude in Northern Virginia. Um... But yeah, like I said, I'm um, if fans that turn once will turn twice. That's true. But yeah, not not great. That's definitely my ugly two in terms of that Saturday seventeen to four loss. That was uh, extremely deflating. Um, I'm so sorry they had to witness that in person. That is not cool. Yeah, because it got out of hand early. Yeah, and like it was ten to one. And that's early. one of those games that when it gets out of hand early, um, and there's nothing out at the end, you're less like maybe I'll skip out a little bit early. Mm-hmm. That's a game you can't skip out early. You just have to sit there and be like, I'm waiting around for the concert at the end. So. Mm. Not, no, no bueno. no bueno. I kept actually thinking back to the situation of um, you going to the game against the Red Sox where they made the massive comeback. And I said, maybe tonight's going to be the night they make the massive comeback again. Um, no, not the case. Well, uh, that we've, we've covered good, we've covered bad, and we've covered the heck out of ugly. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we'll blow the save. Scotty, I've made it all the way through this this episode without mentioning my son's baseball team, um, so I'm going to screw it up. Uh, Henry, uh-huh. we've mentioned, play, plays a little bit of ball. Yeah. Uh, he's a catcher. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, some of his other interests. Yeah. 
uh, he is learning to play the drums. That's cool. Yeah, he loves that. He's uh, he's a swimmer. He enjoys swimming. That's good. Also, he really likes skateboarding. I'm not a huge skateboard fan, honestly, because I'm always concerned that, you know, I'm going to, you know, fall off of it or have an injury whatsoever. Well, let me, let me, uh, it's, it's fascinating you say that because, um, I'm a skittish individual though. Like I'm, I'm extremely conservative. Yeah. Henry's really, really good at wearing his protective gear Mm -hmm. when he skateboards. Well, he's a catcher. I mean, catchers have to wear protective gear. He, he's, he's really, you know, I'm usually very proud of him because he makes, he makes good decisions. Um, Recently, mm-hmm. as of two nights ago, not such a great decision to uh, hop on the skateboard, carrying his uh, electronic device uh, while not wearing his uh, protective mm. uh, gear. And uh, Henry, out for six weeks with a mm. broken radio, a distal wrist fracture. Not great. S- super excited about that. Not, not great. Super, super excited. Hey, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, uh, did you talk to your son about this and then say, hey, um, what pays you more, to do this or uh, to uh, to catch for me? <laughs> I should have. I should have. I'm just. And both. then he would say, well, catching for you, obviously. And he's just like, you can solo wheel your way out of here. <laughs> I'm just bummed because <laughs> it, it robs us of the uh, of the fall baseball experience. Of course. One, one of the things that I love about him playing ball is the fact that, we, you know, we get to experience that together. Uh, now I, I coach a baseball team three nights a week that he's not on. Yeah. That's I, fun. I will say this much. Um, if he had Jabby Burns for a dad, this wouldn't have happened. I feel like if he had Jabby Burns for a coach, he would have, have, have had to sign a waiver saying that he wouldn't ride a skateboard. Jabby, teach me your ways. This is going to mess up a lot of parlays. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it certainly will. It certainly will. Um, so my sadness when it comes to baseball uh, knows no bounds of any level of, of ball. There you go. And that that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at Birds of View Baltimore. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media. We're all over the place. There's Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, the ticks, the talks, but the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu with you. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.